Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Wally Houck. He's the author of Stop the Leadership Malpractice, How to Replace the Typical Performance Appraisal. Good to have you with us, Wally. Taryn, thanks so much. Glad to be here. So I guess first off, why does the typical performance appraisal need to be replaced? I mean, what's it based off? Why are you so passionate about this topic? Thanks for asking. I'm passionate about this because if you ask the average manager or the average CEO, what's the most important asset in your organization? They're gonna, what are they going to say? They're going to say the people. And what I believe uh, the typical performance appraisal does is it detracts from that ability to take advantage of that most important asset. It detracts from the ability to have trust in the organization, which reduces the ability to have creativity, innovation, use people's experience fully and use their knowledge fully and use their talents fully, I think it causes them to take a step back and not fully utilize that. It's a tragedy. It's a okay. tragedy. Let's dig a little deeper. So what is currently the typical performance appraisal like? What do most people experience currently that you'd like to change? Yeah, the definition of the book is uh, it has a certain number of characteristics. It's a mandatory, so you must go through it. Okay. Uh, it's a rating by someone else other than the employee, him or herself. So they get a rating, they get a grade. Mm -hmm. It's tied generally to either promotion or money or raises. And it's also a permanent record that goes in the file. So with those characteristics, I believe that it creates fear. What does it generate? Do you find that I mean, does any employee ever look forward? I mean, is it, is it very select oh, sure. few? I mean, there have to be a few if you're at the top of the heap. Oh, yeah. but well, it's just like anything else. There's going to be variation in how people react to things. And mm -hmm. so there's some that really do look forward to it. And then there's a large majority. In fact, the latest research shows that more than 50% of HR managers, professionals that uh, contribute to the design of a typical uh, appraisal, they say that it's not working. If these professionals are saying it's not working, then right. that's likely that it isn't working. And I was just curious, is this based on your personal experience? Did you personally experience yeah. weak or poisonous performance appraisal, appraisals, let's say? Yeah, I had a couple of uh, personal experiences. One was with me and the other was with my daughter. I went through one when I was working for a large organization and uh, I was in sales. I got a call from my client. The client said, we're going to give you a million dollar order next week. I said, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I told my boss, he got all yeah, excited. He excited. told everybody in the organization, we're having an award that week. They changed everything around. They handed me an award on Friday okay. for this million dollar award that I, the, uh, order that I hadn't quite gotten yet, uh, but they told me that it was coming right. in. So Monday morning, uh, the client calls and says, well, we're delaying everything. So Monday afternoon, I was called into the president's office, and he berated me for losing the order. So over a weekend, I went from a hero to a bum. I didn't change. It had nothing I to do was, with you. I, it but they, was but they blamed you. Well, that, that's how a performance appraisal works. Okay. They blame the individual, either give them credit that they may not totally deserve, or they blame them for something that happened. My daughter had a similar experience. She worked for a convent 
and she served uh, lunch and dinner to the nuns, to the retired nuns. So the nuns loved her. She showed up every time for work. She even substituted for people that uh, couldn't make it to work. And so the, her boss called her and said, okay, it's been a year. It's time for me to give you a raise. The policy is I have to give you a performance appraisal okay. in order for me to give you a raise. So he brought her in and he said, all right, on a scale of one to five, I never give fives. Five is the best. Five is the highest. I never give those. I only give fours. Mm. So you get fours across the board, and so you're going to get your raise. Okay. So at the end, she said, thank you. She said, but Jerry, help me understand. Jerry is uh, the boss's name. You're never here. How do you know how I was doing? Valid question. Uh, very valid question. He said, well, I talked to a couple of the coworkers, and one day I was here, you didn't see me, and I saw you mopping the floor. It looked like you were really doing a good job, so I, I decided Wow, so it's all based on that 20 minutes he happened to be there in a couple of <laughs> interviews quickly. That's exactly right. Yeah. Would you say in general, would you take that example and sort of stretch it in general terms to the workforce? I mean, that's kind of what most people are experiencing, sort of a, an inaccurate appraisal. It's an inaccurate appraisal because it's based on bias or opinion of the boss. Right. And so what we're doing is, the reason bosses don't particularly like performance appraisals either is because they're put in a position where they have to be the judge. What my process does is it shifts from judgment to partnership. So instead of one person judging another, which doesn't tend to work out very well, some people like that, especially mm -hmm. new employees. It creates this fear and it, and it damages the relationship, it damages the trust between the boss and the employee. Right, right. So let's talk about what you want to do differently. How do you want to change the, the, the appraisal process? You just said the word partnership. So walk us through what you'd like to see implemented. Yeah, the first thing that I'd like to offer is a change in thinking and a change in focus by leaders. I believe what they're focusing on is the wrong thing. I've, I believe that we've been taught to focus on who is at fault versus what is it about the process that could change. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to help leaders to focus on the quality of the interactions between people and the quality of interactions between the people and the processes that they work in. Okay. Let me give an example. I love Dunkin' Donuts coffee, so I often stop and I'll get a Dunkin' Donuts sure. coffee. So for years, what I would do is order a large cream, no sugar. Mm -hmm. Now, about 10% of the time, guess what I get? I'd get sugar. And I generally find out when I go through the drive-through, they hand me the coffee, I hand them the money, I drive away, I take a sip, okay. I have sugar. Okay. This one place in Connecticut did it to me twice in one week. So mm. I. This is ridiculous. I, right. Twice in one week? Are you kidding me? So I drove back. I was going to yell at the clerk. Okay. I was going to yell at the manager. I was going to attempt to get free coffee for the rest of my life because they made these yeah. mistakes. <laughs> right. And then on the way back, what I realized is that it's the interaction, because this is what I uh, talk about in the book, is the interaction between myself and the clerk. Why am I mentioning sugar? I'm saying the word sugar. She's hearing sugar or he's hearing sugar. That is inc increasing the probability they're going to put it in. So what did I do? I changed the process. Okay. I changed it to just cream. Let me have a large just cream. That was four and a half years ago. How much sugar have I got in my coffee? Huh. Zero. So by eliminating or omitting the phrase no sugar, you got less sugar. Now, how are you going to come to that conclusion? See, I'm the leader of that interaction. I'm the boss. I'm the customer. I contributed to the dysfunction. Right. And that's what, that's what I call malpractice in the book. Leaders are doing things or not doing things that are causing dysfunction with employees. And then they blame the employees with the typical appraisal. Uh -huh. So you were blaming the, the person at the drive-thru when you, when you are owning up to the fact that you were contributing to the problem. That's exactly what I want leaders to do. I want them to rethink 
where their focus is. And if their focus is, if I went to the clerk and I said, help me understand why sugar might be in there, we might uh, discover by having a conversation, by having a partnership, that I could take the word sugar out and that would solve the problem. Okay. And that's the process that I've developed 15 years ago with a client helps the managers to look at themselves and how they're contributing. So they, they both learn, as does the employee, about how things could change to get better. And that's, that's what I okay. want to change. So using that as sort of an analogy, when you talk about replacing the appraisal process, are you talking about the way it's done? I mean, let's get into specifics here. Are you sure. saying that typically they're done electronically, everything should be done verbally? I mean, what, what are some of the basic bullet points that need to be, be improved? That's a great question. I appreciate that because uh, many of the changes that are being made right now by some large organizations. I believe that this timing is so perfect for us to have this interview because some of the very largest organizations are changing their performance appraisal process, but they're changing it to be faster, not necessarily different in structure. Okay. They're still looking at how they evaluate people. They're just doing it faster and they're doing it electronically or they're doing it on the internet. And what I'm suggesting is that we've got to change the structure. So eliminate the grade. Nobody gets a grade. Mm -hmm. Why should I be a judge of you or you be a judge of me? So take that out. Okay. Separate any kind of decisions about pay from the conversation about performance. All right. And then uh, set it up so that you're asking questions that enable the uh, manager and the employee to, instead of look at each other, they're looking at the quality of the interaction between the two of them and improving the quality of the interaction so it changes the focus. That requires a change in structure, and that's what I'm suggesting. C-Suite Radio. What impact does a poor review have on someone in your experience? You can't insult them too much. So how do you, how do you keep that balance? That's really two questions there. What you're asking is, you know, what's the impact? And the impact right. is on on the organization, it, you can't even measure the impact because it, it can be so damaging. Right. Because think about how important, if you ask the question, how important is trust? And if you believe that trust is important, how do you measure when trust is damaged, how do you measure the impact on an organization or yeah. a team when trust is damaged? There's, really, there's no way to measure no, it. Yeah. What I talk about in the book is that there are a number of things that get damaged. For example, trust gets damaged, innovation gets damaged. People don't want to take a risk when they know that they're going they're to stifled, be evaluated, right. right? So that gets stifled. You don't want to take a risk. You don't want to be innovative. You want to be creative. You're not using your skills. And the organization is, is also damaged. And people will withhold information. One of the stories I tell in the book, uh, the Columbia shuttle was a tragedy in 2005. Mm -hmm. And it came back through the atmosphere to burned up. And we lost nine heroes. Now, when you read 200-page report from uh, 17 rocket scientists about what's the root cause, they say, well, the physical root cause was a little piece of foam upon launch broke off and it hit one of the heating tiles in one of the wings. Mm -hmm. It cracked it so that upon re-entry, the heat got in and it burned up the, the wing and then it burned up the entire plane. Okay. But that was the physical root cause. The cultural root cause was the engineers all knew that this could possibly happen, mm -hmm. but they were afraid to be evaluated and they were afraid that the project would be held back Oof. so they didn't say anything. Right. And so the holding back information, now that happens, I believe, in virtually every organization that has the typical appraisal. People don't normally die when they hold back information, right, but in this particular case, case yeah. it's an extreme case. But that's the kind of impact that this can have, and I just want to stop. 
Right. But but by the same token, Wally, feedback is important. So the appraisal Absolutely. needs to be put in place. So I'm trying to figure out as a manager, how do you give constructive feedback without stifling them? Really critical question. How do you give what I call fearless feedback? Yes, fearless feedback. That was one of my questions. What exactly? Tell us about that. Yeah, fearless feedback is really the, that's the sexy name, if you will, for the... Yeah. Uh, for the uh, cumbersome name of uh, CPIP. But fearless feedback is about, first of all, drawing a distinction between what feedback is and what criticism is. If you ask the average uh, manager, what's the difference? They have a real hard time verbalizing it. I so bet, here's yeah. the difference. Feedback is data from a process for the purpose of learning. Criticism is opinion or judgment. Okay. So to go back to uh, the Dunkin' Donuts uh, story, uh, the data is that I have sugar in my coffee, and I'm not sure why. And the data is that I say the word sugar in the beginning. You don't have to use criticism. You don't have to say, you're, you're an idiot clerk for doing what you did by putting sugar in my coffee. You, you can eliminate criticism from your language. Mm -hmm. And what I'm suggesting is you eliminate unsolicited criticism from your language. If somebody says to you, tell me your opinion about this, give me your opinion about the book, I'm happy to hear that because I'm asking for it. Right. But if it's not solicited, please give me data instead. So that's the answer to your question. Fearless feedback is about data. What data do I have about the process so that I can learn to do it better next time? You know, something I meant to mention earlier is what's interesting is the whole book is laid out in terms of legal jargon. You make a case for replacing the appraisal. So I was curious why you did that. Because honestly, when I read the title of the book, I thought it was maybe a legal book meets interesting. a business book. Yeah. So why, why take that approach? Yeah, it just dawned on me one day when I was thinking about the book and the title of the book and how I was going to write the book because I was so excited about writing it. But I didn't know. I wanted to put it in a structure that some people might understand. And I was watching a show and they were talking about malpractice for doctors mm -hmm. and malpractice for lawyers. And I went, oh my gosh, this is leadership malpractice. Because malpractice is you cause an injury, you cause harm, whether you know it or not know it. In fact, I say in the book, this is not an evil intent. Leaders are not uh, evil. Well, there's some that are evil. But this, <laughs> this is not about the evil yeah, yeah. ones. It's about uh, unknowingly doing something that's creating harm. Right. They don't know they're doing it. That they was don't an know they're doing point. it. Right. So the beginning part is what is the case? What's the injury? Uh, so I'm, I'm making the case. This is the injury that's happening. Here's why it's happening. The causation. Which is, which is the case, the right. causation. And then here's what we need to do instead, which is the verdict. Right. Uh, and then the settlement. Right. So you do. You do the case, causation, verdict, and settlement. And I, I like it. It's, it's a really clean outline of what to expect and, and sort of uh, wh where the book is going. And it's a really interesting read. And it's something I don't think uh, gets enough attention. Thank so I'm you. glad you've brought it to us. Thank you, Wally, for your time. Thank you so much. All right. If you'd like to read the book, all you have to do is go to our website at csweetbookclub.com. That's c-sweetbookclub.com. Thanks for watching Bestseller TV. We'll see you next time. Like what you just heard, visit c-sweetradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.